Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. netsuite.com strange. I'm Lauren Orton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. Strangers, we must admit, we love a good curse. Not being cursed, because obviously we don't have time for that and neither does anyone else. But tales of curses, they hit a soft spot for us. Maybe it's because, by their nature, they afflict the unwilling participant. People who are often non-believers and who would just like to be left alone, please. Honestly, it's a fascinating concept. Then there are the links that people go in order to banish a curse, and that the consequences of not doing so can be dire. The genre is a big, delicious can of dramatic worms, with enough variation to keep things truly interesting. It's no wonder that we've covered all manner of cursed objects, from dolls to cabinets. But today's curse, and yes, we have a curse for you today, in case that wasn't obvious, is a little more nebulous. Not in its impact exactly. The people who've been affected by this curse would certainly say that it is very, very clear. It's because we're not discussing a concrete object, but rather cursed music. And it's not even one song in particular. We could continue dropping breadcrumbs about what we mean, or we could just tell the story. So let's start with David Maslenka. He's likely not a composer you'd know off the top of your head, not unless you've spent time in a band or orchestra that plays contemporary work. The famous Maslanka pieces often have solo parts for many different instruments. And that, according to the sheet music publisher Carl Fisher, makes these pieces especially popular with school bands. David Maslanka was a Polish-American composer who worked in the music space for many decades. Per his website, his musical career began in earnest in 1968 and lasted until he passed away in 2017. When David Maslenka died, he left behind a finished symphony, his ninth, and some bits and pieces of what was to become his tenth. According to New Music USA, his plan had been to dedicate his tenth symphony for his wife, Allison, 
and it was partially written when he passed away. He'd left behind, quote, clear notes for the anticipated completion of his 10th symphony. But it wasn't complete, nor was it polished. We imagine, as people who know very little about this field, that writing a symphony fit to perform takes some time and some tinkering. Now, of course, it's impressive to write one symphony in a lifetime, let alone nine and a half. And artists often leave behind partially finished work. That's the nature of creation and of life. This is hardly a unique circumstance in the sense that people die sometimes, right? Well, it might not be unusual, except for one strange thing. Since the 1800s, there have been rumors that a curse has been responsible for the deaths of many composers, including David Maslanka. More specifically, a curse that actually targets those who have the audacity to compose more than nine symphonies. In classical music circles, it's referred to as the curse of the ninth. According to the Baltimore Sun, the curse came about not because of any particular tragedy, but because of a monumental success, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. The behemoth of a piece was first performed in 1824. Even if the name doesn't bring a melody to mind, you definitely know this one, we promise. That was Ode to Joy, the final movement of the Ninth Symphony. We told you that you'd know it. Beethoven's Ninth is a very famous piece now, to be sure. But per the Central New Jersey Home News, it's also a very important one. Quote, Beethoven's Ninth is probably the most important symphony in the literature, especially in terms of its influence over subsequent generations by its quasi-mystical brand of humanism, by its instrumentation and structure, even by its role as Beethoven's final symphony. You have to understand, strangers, Beethoven was functionally equivalent to a rock star in his time. So when he dropped a banger like the Ode to Joy, it quickly became the symphony to end all symphonies. Perhaps literally. Part of that is because Ode to Joy was simply that good. Instantly iconic, one might say. It's also because Beethoven died right before he could finish his 10th one. Per the Sun, quote, according to this dark theory, the foolhardy composer who dared to try to match or outdo Beethoven in quantity of symphonic output would pay for such effrontery with a shortened lifespan. Now, strangers, if this is true, the curse of not being able to dunk on Beethoven, took effect remarkably quickly. The Sun wrote that Franz Schubert wrote his Ninth Symphony in 1828 and promptly died in November of that year, at only 31 years old, and due to an uncertain illness. Per the Sun, the curse's next victim was Louis Spohr, a German composer who passed away in 1857, two years after beginning work on his Tenth Symphony. Though, as the son also notes, if anyone was asking to be smited, it was probably this guy. Quote, maybe he brought that fate on himself by dissing Beethoven's ninth, declaring that the finale was 
so ugly, so tasteless, and so cheap that I cannot understand how such a genius as Beethoven could have composed it. And the Austrian composer, Anton Bruckner, was attempting to complete the fourth and final movement of, you guessed it, his Ninth Symphony in 1894, when his health failed. He wrote in his papers, quote, that, My only wish is to be allowed to finish my Ninth Symphony. There remains only the finale. I trust death will not deprive me of my pen. But, strangers, it did. Bruckner's Ninth remained unfinished, and according to the Cincinnati Post, he left behind a little bit of a mess. Quote, at his death on October 11, 1896, the collaborators were faced with a score that was both colossal and incomplete, and of a boldness uncompromising by even Bruckner's standards. At the turn of the 20th century, Gustav Mahler, too, passed away, as he attempted to craft a 10th symphony. Per the sun, he was a superstitious man, and might have actually been the person who made the curse public knowledge. As his widow Alma once wrote, quote, It was a superstition of Mahler's that no great writer of symphonies got beyond his ninth. So, believing that, Mahler tried to cheat the system. After his eighth symphony, he wrote what was technically his ninth, but he didn't number it officially. He decided that for that reason, he was safe. We have some questions about this, strangers. Can curses read? Do they care about titles and a situation like this? If you believed in a curse, why would you assume that writing a Ninth Symphony, but not calling it that, would be your saving grace? In any case, it wasn't for Mahler. He died in 1911, before finishing what was technically, in sequential order, his Tenth Symphony. And because Mahler had told his friends and loved ones about this curse that he wanted so badly to avoid. When he died, understandably, those friends and family were a little more willing to lend the curse idea some credence. According to the Home News, Arnold Schoenberg, a student of Mahler's, remarked in a speech in 1912, it seems that the ninth is a limit. He who wants to go beyond it must pass away. It seems as if something might be imparted to us in the 10th that we ought not yet to know something for which we are not ready. Those who have written a ninth stood too close to the hereafter. And it does seem that there are many, many more examples of people who stood a little too close to the hereafter. There's Ralph Vaughan Williams, the American composer, who died weeks after his Ninth Symphony premiered in 1958. Per WQXR, his death was sudden and his family was shocked. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm sure you've heard the old adage that you should learn something new every day. It's good advice, but with so much to do, are you making time to learn and stay curious about our world? Well, 
With Everything Everywhere Daily, you can easily make that goal a reality. Everything Everywhere Daily is one of the world's most popular daily education podcasts. In about 10 minutes, you can learn something new every day. The show covers history, science, geography, mathematics, and technology, as well as biographies from some of the world's most interesting people. One listener says the show truly makes my day more enjoyable and entertaining. Fans of the show are so passionate, they even work to join the Completionist Club, the group of dedicated listeners who've listened to all 900 plus and counting episodes. I highly recommend you check out Everything Everywhere Daily's recent episodes on Why Are There No Flying Cars? and The Little Ice Age That Happened 700 Years Ago. Learn something new every single day with Everything Everywhere Daily. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for creepy stories? Then we might have a podcast for you. And now, presenting Rattled and Shook. Rattled and Shook is a weekly podcast that features new scary stories every episode. Kind of like this. I would hear her say things to me inside my head. I couldn't get around him. I was trapped. The other guy started to get pretty agitated. He grabbed my grandfather's oxygen hose and he cut off his oxygen. Then I started thinking, well, you know, who would be hanging around in this nowhere forest, in this nowhere area? And that's when I started looking more closely. And that's when I noticed there were several shapes. And they were slowly working their way toward me as they were moving from tree to tree. New episodes of Rattled and Shook are out every Thursday. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, there are those who appear to have escaped this curse. Shostakovich got to 15 symphonies. The Sun also cites the American composers Roy Harris and Alan Hovenus. And there's the Finnish composer Leif Sagerstrom, who has an excellent artsy Santa Claus aesthetic going, But more importantly, Music Finland reports that he's written more than 350 symphonies to date. He'll turn 80 years old this March. And here's one that you might actually recognize if you spent time in high school orchestra. Antonin Dvorak. The Czech composer was able to write his ninth symphony without incident. It premiered in 1893, and Dvorak lived for almost a decade after the fact. The Sun proposes that he survived the Curse of the Ninth because, well, he never attempted to write a tenth. It's unclear whether there might have been similar technicalities that could have saved the likes of Shostakovich and Harris. And then there's the curious case of Philip Glass. We started this story with an American composer, so it's only fitting that we end with one, too. The good news is, Philip Glass? He's alive. He's also prolific. Per his Merriam-Webster encyclopedia entry, he's written 15 operas, 12 concertos, three Oscar-nominated film scores, and 14 symphonies. But despite putting up such impressive numbers, Philip Glass also seems to be a believer in the curse of the ninth. Or at least he was the last time anyone asked him about it. And that would have been, you guessed it, around the time his Ninth Symphony premiered, back in 2012. 
According to The Guardian, the premiere at Carnegie Hall was mostly without incident, save for a member of the audience collapsing because of a medical issue. They turned out to be fine. But Philip Glass had approached the project of a Ninth Symphony with some trepidation. And in talking about it publicly, he shed light on something interesting. A lot of modern composers are, in fact, a little bit afraid to write their Ninth Symphonies. As he told The Guardian, everyone is afraid to do a Ninth. It is a jinx that people think about. What kind of silly jinx is that? I wasn't going to wait to find out. See, Philip Glass, he'd taken some precautions before premiering his Ninth Symphony. In 2007, he told the Baltimore Sun that just as he got commissioned to write number nine, that he had a plan. Maybe I'll just compose the 10th first. And in speaking to The Guardian years later, when his Ninth Symphony premiered, it seemed that the composer had stayed true to that promise. Namely, he had, in fact, already written the 10th one before the premiere of his ninth, just in case. And that, strangers, is the beauty of a curse. Of course, we are very happy that Philip Glass managed to evade whatever forces might have come for him after his ninth symphony. And if indeed a curse is the reason that so many composers have perished before their 10th symphony, that truly is a shame and a great loss. But if you're not inclined to believe in a centuries-old, wide-reaching curse impacting only classical music composers, and we suspect that most of the world falls into that camp, then you might find that there's a certain charm to 21st century composers still observing these superstitions. And it's not as though this belief now led to an overwhelming fear as much as it used to. We've listed many composers who've crested nine symphonies and come out unscathed. And much like referring to, uh, the Scottish play, when one is near a stage production, the classical community does seem to have its fun with the curse of the ninth. The Times colonist wrote in 2011 that an orchestra in British Columbia was organizing all of its programming for the season around ninth symphonies, and honoring the composers whose departures they might have hastened. Per the home news, the New Jersey Symphony Orchestra did the same thing back in 2012. The Asbury Park Press reported that the Plainfield Symphony Orchestra did something similar in 2015. Similar concerts and series, they've popped up reliably in the years since. After all, humans do love to come up with a rule and then imagine the consequences for breaking it. One might choose to believe in a curse or act as though one does, just in case. But the result, it's the same. We craft a story, we live by it, and then we pass it along through the generations until it's less a story and more a fact of life. And that is why we love a good curse. You have to admit, it's a bonding experience. Again, though, if you are in a position to curse us, please don't. We are very, very busy. We hope you'll join us next time 
for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers. From the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Strangers, I've released my first book, and it's available everywhere now as audiobook, hardcover, and ebook. I read the audio version myself. It's called Lay Them to Rest, and it's about John and Jane Doe's, my years-long experience following forensic experts around the country, and our efforts to solve the mystery of a cold case. One Strange Thing is an independently produced podcast. To support the show and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, you now have three options to hear two extra bonus episodes a month. On Apple Premium and Supercast, you can get the bonus episodes delivered to your app of choice for just $2.99. And for $2 more a month on Patreon, you'll get more fun extras. There you'll find ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, two full-length bonus episodes, monthly giveaways, blog posts, and occasional live streams, all for $5 a month. We hope you'll check out one of these options and support the show. There's a link in our show notes. And if you enjoy One Strange Thing, please take a moment to leave us a great rating or review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.